With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to episode 56 of the Empire Rolls podcast. A slightly positive uh, weekend, a 2-0 defeat at Manchester United, but... I think most of us would have gone into that game expecting a a far worse result, scoreline, and a performance. To help me talk through this, I've been joined by George Flood. Hi, George. Good afternoon. And I've also been joined by Sam Stevenson. Hi, Sam. Hello. What did you think of it straight away, Sam? The performance yesterday in the first half. Um, it was incredibly positive. It was it was weirdly very similar to QPR. Um, but obviously the level of opposition was a lot higher. Um, I think we created much better chances than we did against QPR. There were two or three one-on-ones that stand out in my mind that we probably should have done a better job with. Um, we kept the ball really well. Um, a few individual players, uh, Sean, uh, Rinomota being one of them, um, thought Kelly played well as well and, and, and came straight in and looked like he hit that system perfectly. Um, Swift was similar to the last few games where everything went through him. Um, I feel like the longer the game went on, he started to fade a little bit. But initially, he looked really, really positive and then started to misplace passes as the game went on. Um, but yeah, generally, really, really positive. Um, and, and, you know, you could argue that the chances we created were, were better than anything Man United created. Um, they just had clinical players who cost a lot of money up front who made the difference. Uh, and, and we... Danny Loder, who's an experienced and, and he struggled. Um, but we were good. We were really good. Um, I'm sure you guys have a lot on it as well. I don't want to take all the points. Yeah, no, I thought we were definitely positive. I mean, if you look at Ole Gunnar Schalskar after the match, he's saying that the 2-0 flattered us and that, um, uh, you know, Reading played extremely well. If you've got a manager of Manchester United coming out and saying that we've played that well in a match... Surely that's got to be a great thing. 60% possession, more more touches of the ball in their final third than they had in ours. Um, yeah, I think there's a hell of a lot of positive. And what I liked was the style of play from Gomez that we're seeing is continuing. Because against Millwall, we were the better team, I thought, despite having only 10 men. Against QPR, I thought, <laughs> from what I've heard, I didn't see the game, that we played quite well in that game again. Problem is, we had the Swansea match, which is a bit of an issue. But then we also had yesterday when the style continued. What are you thinking about the style of football that we're seeing from Gomez, George? Are you thinking it's going to help us? Is it going to push us forward? I mean, it's certainly better to watch. I mean, I really enjoyed watching us yesterday, just sort of knocking it around. But the point is, and I think we could say this several times, is that it has to be mirrored with some kind of greater attacking edge. I mean... It is a more positive and a more attacking style than Sam's possession-based game because you can see that they're trying to get the ball into attacking areas much quicker uh, than Sam's style, whether it was more just it felt like sort of possession for possession's sake. Um, but it has to be partnered with, we have to, you know, we played well yesterday, but you never felt at any point really like we were going to score. Um, and that has to improve because otherwise it kind of just feels like 
we're still going down, but we're still we're probably going to play a little bit better. We're going to be a little bit easier to watch, but at the end of the day, it's probably still not going to be enough to keep us up. Um, so whether that's going out into after we've got rid of certain players, whether that's trying to you know get a one or two strikers in or what, I don't know. Um, I feel I feel like if this was the start of the season, if we were in the summer and we were switching to this kind of style, I'd be very positive because I think. I think if we manage to stay up, there'd be real promise in this. I really do with Gomez. Um, but it's just whether in our situation we can do enough with it and we can score enough goals uh, to stay up, I guess. Yeah, that I, I totally agree. If this was the start of the season, it would be great. You'd just think, OK, we're going to take some defeats here, but we've got some kind of uh, basis structure yeah. that will move us forward. And I do think I agree <laughs> as well. It is very different to the Yapstown form of uh, Formula Football. That was passive, sit back, wait for mistakes. This way, we're trying to press up. And as Gomez said after the match, they kind of, they put his style of play onto the pitch and used his processes, that's the word he used, and trying to force the team into making mistakes. Now, you could look at Manchester United and say they've made multiple changes. And Scholzka said after the match that he probably didn't help the team by doing that. And he also pointed out that they didn't press enough. One of the things that we're definitely going to see when we play Nottingham Forest uh, next Saturday, we far more pressing against us, but we still played really well. I mean, look at Harriet. Harriet coming in did quite well, I thought, and Kelly, like we both said. You just got to think: Are we going to be able to move that positive game forward into the game against Forest? And will Danny Loder get a better chance to score a first goal than he did against? United yesterday. I mean, you've got to get a shot away there, Sam, hasn't he? Don't you think, really? I mean, he's a young kid. He's only 18. So I'm not kind of trying to say he's terrible because I think there's potential, but he needs to get that goal. He tried to play it the same way um, Lukaku did for his goal. Tried to take it wide. He just doesn't look like he's there yet, right? Um, For me, Loder needs a loan. He needs a bit of time playing regular football at a lower level. where he can prove himself and then maybe he can come into the team in the next few years. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was an excellent first opportunity. And, and actually that wasn't the only one. I think, I think it was Harriet who was played in by Luco. Was it Harriet? Yeah. He yeah, would have actually um, been offside, but that was a positive thing from Luca. That was another player. I thought it did. Okay. Fantastic pass. That was yeah. back, uh, this morning as well. Really good. The whole build-up to that, the the dinking around, you know, um, knocking a player off balance and then finding that reverse pass to play him in was, was unbelievable. But, um, but yeah, that's what I mean, though. That's what I was saying earlier. We had a few really good chances and it's a shame we didn't test the keeper. And I look back at Kelly a couple of years ago and Swift when he first joined the club and think, well, they would have, you know, been taking pot shots from 25 yards. And... And actually, one of the things that I think I've missed over the last few games in this new style of football is one player who, even if he misses nine out of ten times, is willing to take a a shot from outside the box or around the box, wherever it is. Um, I I hate to bring him up, but a Nick Blackman type player, you know, someone who is willing to just... Yeah, sorry, I saw your face there. Um, But but you know what I mean, right? Someone someone who is a bit greedy, someone who is willing to do that... Um, Fans will get a bit annoyed at it, but we don't have anybody in the team who looks confident enough to take that on. Um, and that, I think, for me at the moment, is the biggest issue because we're, even though we look more purposeful going forward in this new style, we've got the exact same problems we had um, with Stam's style of football, which was that when we didn't have Kermigan playing and we didn't have someone who could kind of create stuff for himself or 
was good enough at controlling balls played into the box over the top and creating, you know, doing things without necessarily needing everybody else to be up to up to speed. Um, we looked we looked terrible, uh, and and I think we looked better, but we're still lacking that player. We're still lacking um, not even a twentieth season goal scorer, just anybody who's willing to to take on chances. I guess. Um, even Danny Williams used to do that, right? Danny Williams used to love running and smashing a ball 10 yards wide from 25 yards out, but it didn't matter because he'd score two or three a season and that was better than having no one trying that and that's what we have at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> Renamoto is obviously the nearest we've got to Danny Williams now, but he doesn't seem to be happy taking shots at the moment. One player who, when he first joined the club, was more than happy to take on shots was John Swift. And the recent stats saying that he's had the most shots in the championship without scoring a goal. John Swift got a, a very high praise from Steve Subban on BT Sport yesterday, saying that a lot of the good stuff that we did went through John Swift. Um I thought he played okay yesterday. I've seen a lot of criticism of him. Um, if you see him play a lot, George, um, kind of, I've got to hope he transformed that consistency into the league form. I know he was at blame for the second goal, but, you know, I think he did okay yesterday. What do you think of his performance, George? Yeah, no, I thought he did okay. I mean, we were talking about this before we started. He's kind of like, if you see him in a game like that, like Sidwell would have, and I'm guessing he doesn't see him very regularly, you might think, God, he looks a real player. But then if you watch him on a weekly basis, you kind of see a bit more of the, the poor performances and stuff. And and I think the thing with Swift is that he seems to he seems to invite anger from people because I just think his his general demeanour sometimes, I don't think he does it deliberately, but but he kind of... He looks a little bit cumbersome sometimes. Obviously, he's not very quick. And so when he gives the ball away and stuff, it, it kind of, he, he struggles to get back and get it back because, you know, he's just got not got the speed a lot of the time. But I prefer him playing further forward. Um, I thought some of his ball playing was really good at times. Um, it's just a shame that he's just always these sort of couple of lazy, sloppy errors. And they, they seem to always lead to something as well. He, he sort of, doesn't get away with it a lot like other players probably do because obviously that led to the the goal yesterday, although Laurie was quite culpable with that as well, I thought. But um, I just think his decision-making in the final third needs to improve sometimes as well. There were some times yesterday where he had the ball around the box and you thought, you know, he showed some nice touches. I think there was a Cruyff turn there at one stage or a Zidane turn, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> but then he just gives the ball away. He tries to He tries to pick out a little pass and it's just... <clears throat> a bit hesitant and it's a little bit sloppy and he doesn't quite put the right weight on it and then you know the chance is gone but he's certainly he's certainly not alone in needing to to improve his decision making in the final third I think you could say that about <laughs> just about every player we've got at the moment yeah I mean I I, I agree with that when we're going back to just to Aluka I think he's one of the players that maybe could come into the team at some point and would possibly would you make him come in for Gareth McCleary I think's possibly dropped off a little bit I wouldn't want him out wide, personally. Yeah, uh, I think he comes inside True. anyway, and then you leave the flanks expo- exposed, the fullbacks exposed. Um, I think if you're going to play him, you almost need to play him in a free role and accept that he's not going to get involved that much when you don't have the ball. That's just the kind of player he is. Yeah. Um, but when he does have the ball, if you give him the time and space and make the runs, he'll find play. He did the other day against a much better team than any any team will play this season in the championship. Um, so. He can do it. I just wouldn't want him outside. No, no, fair point. Yeah, I uh, dropped a clanger there. I would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, uh, 
Yeah, maybe between Swift and Aluka. I think a tweet is something. Mm-hmm. Yes, saying that I'd personally have Aluka ahead of him at the moment. But you know, you've got to respect someone like Steve Sidwell's comments if he's going to make them. He's a known man who knows how to play in that position. Slightly different role, but I don't know. I think I quite. I just want to see Aluka see perform a little bit like he did at Fulham, just a tiny bit. Because I'm seeing little glimpses of him in the last few matches. I haven't seen for months since he first signed for us. So if we can get anything out of him, that's going to help us. I mean, we're five points adrift. We just need to put anything into the team. Um, talking about that, we move on to the transfers, um, that ins and outs. We've obviously seen Pella Clement leave. Um, he's gone to sign, gone sign for Yapstam's new team. Pexwala in uh, Dutch League which is a little bit surprising in some ways, considering Yap would never seem to play him when he was at Reading. But I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of reasons for that. It was interesting that saying that uh, Pelle Clemens said that he would be happy. He was offered the chance to stay at Reading, but he wanted to go because he wanted to enjoy his football again. I can kind of uh, understand where that's coming from. What do you think on Pelle Clemens, George? Do you think he's going to be a miss or I can never quite make my mind up on yeah, I think he was a tidy enough player on the ball when he played. It just sort of felt like he was a bit of he was quite versatile, but a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none kind of kind of player. Um, I don't think he ever really lacked commitment, and I don't think he leaves with the same sort of animosity that might be reserved for one or two others um, when they leave this month. Um, you know, initially I thought he struggled with the sort of cliched rough and tumble of the championship kind of thing. He wasn't quite physical enough when he came, but. There was a period, I think, last season where I really felt like he was... There was a little stretch of games where I really felt like he, he was going to make it. There was He seemed to have adapted to that sort of physical aspect. Um, and he was probably, you know, he was one of the... Well, you could say the only decent real player pre-season, probably. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still only 22. And, he you know, he may go on to have a really decent career. Um but I think if you were looking players, looking for players to get rid of in January, then he had to he had to be one of them really. Um, and I just sort of I struggled to get too upset with losing the player who you know hasn't played a league game this season. You know, he's just kind of you know when we've got a squad of thirty and you've got a player who's not played at all apart from one league cup game, then you know it's ever only ever going to go one way in January, I guess. But um, but no, I wish him well. Uh, no, totally. I mean, um, I think he's a player who we can't knock his. Uh character and he's never seemed to complain on the pitch never been on social media never had a moan in the local press and you know some of our other players could maybe learn a few things from that but that is a separate matter isn't it um another thing that came out yesterday after the match was Thiago Alori and his possible move to uh, Lisbon now I've got to say if we can get back anything near the three million pound for him I would be taking that. Sam, what what would you think about Laurie on the I post- like I like Laurie. Um I think he's I, I think I've described him on here before as a bit of a David Louise. He you know, a few years ago, I guess, where you always know that he has a mistake in him, but at the same time he's really good on the ball, can bring it out, can find a pass. Um I think he's a good player. I think the problem with Laurie is a bit like a Luco. You almost have to accept that if you have him in the side, you have to have someone next to him who's got the pace to cover for him and is going to win all the headers and do all the kind of basic grunt work. Um, If you're playing, that's why I think seeing John O'Shea start against Swansea worried me a little bit. 
um, just because if Alori misses something, I'm not sure O'Shea had the pace to cover for him, whereas Moore does. Um, I do really like Alori. I think he could be a really, really good player at this level. Um, I think with the right manager kind of grounding him a little bit, trying to work those mistakes out of his game, he could have been could have been really, really good. If he goes, I think he's replaceable. Um, and if we get some money for him, fantastic. Um, I don't think it'll be a massive loss. I actually did quite like watching him play. Yeah, I, I think uh, Alori is a little bit of a Michael Hector. Yeah. I think he's a player who not quite good enough for midfield and but as a defender he gets caught out a little bit too often but he's lovely on the ball there's no doubt that most of the time um but he does make some really basic areas around the edge of his own box with passes and concentration i mean if you were to go through the whole season look at the mistakes he's probably made you could do that with all our defenders not just him it would be quite a collection i feel I think yeah. you can get away with it in a good team um but when you're struggling in the championship like this, I think Alori just becomes a bit of a, you know, he's, he's so casual sometimes and those mistakes <laughs> are so magnified. Um, and what is he now, 25, 26? So I think you can, you know, this is the end of saying, you know, you know, he might cut those mistakes out of his game as he grows and stuff. This is kind of what he is now. And it's kind of, you know, he's always going to have that element. And I just wonder if going back to the style of football in Portugal or somewhere like that might, might just really suit his game a lot better. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it could well be the case with him. One of on the transfers is that we appear to have a kind of almost a, uh, a naughty group of Reading football players <laughs> who seem to be uh, sent off into their own little lunchtime canteen. It's come out to possibly that alleged by uh, the Chronicle that um, there's five or six players that are banned from eating with the rest of the players. They won't be allowed to train with the first team. Um, we're not sure who they are at all, and we're not even sure whether this story is completely true, so we don't know that, but who they are, um, maybe a few clues were given yesterday by the uh, team that was announced. No David Mailer in the squad at all, but they will play Ryan East instead, who's an 18-year-old on the bench. No Dave Edwards, that's not a surprise. I think we probably all kind of think he's going to Shrewsbury. Who else is on that list? We don't know. Supposedly, it's meant to be one surprise, but we also don't know who that is. Could be anyone, couldn't it, really? Maybe it's even a lorry. Who knows? But is this a kind of sign of the bad attitude of some players? I don't know. I mean, it's a, there's something wrong at the club, and we don't know it as an outsider what is exactly going on there. But there's something in the core of the team that is not right. And it's not just the ability it's about attitude. And as we were talking about in the last podcast, it's about mental attitude. Sam, who do you think, on this list, would you be surprised to see players like McShane, Myler, Edwards on it? McShane was probably top of, of the list for me. Um, I think, obviously, being dropped uh, immediately after that Blackburn game and not featuring again could create the kind of atmosphere where an environment where a player might act out. Um, but I do think part of the problem has been that we've had multiple managers over the last few years who have favoured some players and then dropped, and then they've been dropped when a new manager's come in. And that's probably created an environment where a player might think, wow, I'm starting to get the first team, I'm playing well. And then they're immediately just, you know, um, brushed away almost and, and just left to rot. And you can see why the way the club has operated over the last four years or so. Um, you're going to have players in that squad 
who will feel marginalised. And I think, to be honest, I know people like to bring up the money they're on and things like that. But ultimately, um, if any of us were in our job and suddenly were thrown out and told, you know, you're doing a shit job, you're not wanted anymore, you'd feel disenfranchised and you might act out a little bit. I think that's normal. Um, so I'd, I'd make the argument that, yes, they're highly paid players. Yes, they should be professional. At the same time, the way the club's been run has probably caused a lot of this as well. Um, I don't think it would be happening if we were in the top six, um, even with the squad this size. Um, I remember under McDermott, we had players who would feature a few times a season and never acted out. And McDermott used to say that they're all part of the team. They feel like they're part of the squad and they know that when they're called upon, they have to come in, they have to perform. And that was fine, even with a reasonably big um, I know this is a, a different scenario. It's slightly bulkier. We've got a lot of youth players that are kind of knocking on the door now, which changes things. But yeah, I, for me, um, it doesn't really matter who's on the list. It's just that we need to sort of harmony of the squad. I think mentality is a bit... From the way we're playing at the moment, you can see that the players have something there. They're not a group of nothings. They're not a group of players who can't get out of this situation. I think men... Uh, we've probably got a big mental issue at the moment. That's what we need to sort out. And we're only going to be able to do that when we get those players causing issues out, um, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's something there, isn't there? I mean, who knows what it is? I mean, we'll, if, if you're in the position that we're in, players will get the blame. Everyone's going to get the blame. The owners, managers, fans. It's a whole vicious circle now, isn't it? You see, if you just go onto social media... It's a, it's, it's a, it's just a, yeah, it's just perpetual, isn't it? Moving on to the transfers in, uh, Gomez said after the match, I would like to do the maximum amount of business I can. I think we should bring in four or five players in. We have financial fair play. We just need to find some loan players who can help us and be better than the players that we have. If they're not better or we can't find loan players respecting FFP, then it's better not bringing in anyone. He also goes on to say that he's happy with the players he's got. I mean, loan players, there's always the issue, isn't there, with motivation. Um, you've got to hope if we are bringing in loan players, they're going to have to be of a higher quality, as Gomez has said, because otherwise there's absolutely no point in bringing them in. Um, what's your thought on loan players getting us out of the situation we're in, George? Um, I don't think they're going to have too much of a choice. I think they're really going to struggle to attract any kind of decent permanent signing with the you know with the position they're in I always assumed with the Jurabchin stuff and the way the managers search and stuff went I kind of always felt like they might have the players they wanted to loan lined up and ready to go and it's just a matter of getting rid of these you know four or five players that that they need to get shot of now and then once that's done, they can just sort of flick a switch maybe and those players will be ready to come over and ready, you know, if, if, if indeed they're from, you know, Portugal or wherever. Um, but I don't know. I mean, in terms of what they need, I think they're going to they're going to need at least one striker. You would have thought. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Boldock was injured yesterday or whether he's, you know, whether he's one of the surprise names on the list. I don't know. McNulty seems to be completely out of favour now. Uh, I know Bob Arson was injured yesterday, but he's not quite featured to any great degree under Gomez yet. Um, so it seems like we're going to need at least one. I think we could probably do with ending this. It feels like the club are going for as long as possible without signing a left back just to see how long they can go without doing it. Um, 
I mean, if they're going to start to use Blackett a bit more in the centre, maybe if Alori goes, then I think they should. And if Abita's not due back anytime soon, you'd probably be looking at a left back, wouldn't you? Um, I guess with centre back, it's whether if Alori goes, it's whether they feel confident in playing, you know, an Osho or a McIntyre more often alongside more. Because um, I mean, Blackett, because obviously Blackett's been linked with a move away as well, quite persistently with Wigan. So you don't quite know what's happening there. Uh, I was, I think, just going back to the list before, I think the surprise in the mission at the moment for me, or certainly yesterday, was Manone on the bet, at least on the bench. Because I kind of, I don't know, I think we all, well, maybe some of us felt that, you know, Manone's distribution is not fantastic, but it's better than Yakola's, you would probably say, and it's better than Sam Walker's as well. So I think we, I think a lot of us kind of felt like, Manone coming in to replace Yakola under Gomez was kind of a matter of uh, when rather than if. Um, but it's, it, it seems like that he may well be one of these players that's going to leave. Um, so whether they, whether they try and bring in a new keeper or not, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, Yakola didn't make any mistakes yesterday in terms of his distribution, which was, you know, which was a positive and uh, better in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, on the loan thing, I just I just think that's just going to be a necessity, um, and what their motivations and stuff are, you know, you're just going to have to swallow it, unfortunately, um, and just hope for the best, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, we're in no we're in no position to be fussy, are we? We we don't have that luxury at all. We've had previous times when we've been able to pick and choose who we want to sign a little bit for our size of the club that we are, but. It's going to be an issue. Now, going back to Tyler Blacker, he's not a player I'd really want to lose at the moment. I mean, he hasn't been fantastic, but I'd say he's been one of the more consistent players. He's been a 6-7, I would say, most weeks, which for us this season is pretty high standard, I would say. Would you agree on that, Sam? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Blackett was always a player who was a... he He was a confidence player, right? He needs... Fans to not boo him as soon as he walks on the pitch, and that's kind of changed this season. And he's been he's been a lot better. Um, and he's played in a number of positions, and he's always looked serviceable. Um, he's not going to tear any trees up. But for me, at the moment, the biggest problem in defence is, is is Richards. I think he's we haven't really touched on him, David. Um, I know people have talked about him for the last few weeks. I think he looks okay going forward, but out of place again at the back. And I think talking about needing a left back. You know, you'd keep Blackett around because he's cover for that position. But without Blackett and Richard performing the way he is at the moment, um, I think he'd be in, in trouble in those positions. Especially if you think, like, if Laurie goes as well, Blackett's going to have to play a centre-back with the injuries we've had this season. Um, so we could be really, really thin uh, back line um, come the end of January if we let Laurie and Blackett go. So I, I would be surprised if... I mean, they... Gomez has said, I think I read somewhere that they wouldn't let Alori go unless they had cover for him. Yes. So there's a good chance Alori will still be still be here come the end of January unless we can get another defender in. Um, but current state, looking at where we are now, I wouldn't let Blackett go for that reason. No, moving on to <laughs> Tyler Blackett, we've obviously got Nottingham Forest on uh, Saturday. Would you bring Blackett straight back into the team instead of Omar Richards? I would. George? I think I would. Um, I think I would. I mean, unless you know, unless he's needed in the centre, if Laurie's not fit, yeah, or if he's not here, um, then I would probably play Blackett 
over O'Shea, who is also <laughs> injured in the warm-up for the second time this season. It's just incredible. How does this happen to us? I mean, I know the fitness issues, I mean, we talk about this virtually on a weekly basis now, but that is incredible how this repeatedly happens to us. The only thing I can say about O'Shea is that, I mean, I thought it was a bizarre signing at the time, but the, I think the point of it was he was just going to come in behind the scenes, be a sort of a wise old head, dispense some advice, dispense some experience and only really play once in a blue moon, maybe in the League Cup, you know, stuff like that, Cup games. But unfortunately, the sort of, the sort of the apocalypse that's descended upon our uh, centre-back ranks this season means that he's forced into, you know, being an option, you know, twice, two, three times a week, which he just, you know, he's 30, what, 37 now, um, so he can't do. But yeah, I mean, I think the other question is whether you bring Bakuna back in, isn't it, after suspension as well? Um, I, I would say not. I think, I thought, I did think Liam Kelly played really well Saturday and I'm surprised even though he's not played well at all this season, I I was surprised it took that long for Gomez to bring him in because you would have thought that, you know, again, this is the style of play where he can look like a really good player. You know, he can keep the ball, he can recycle it, he can keep it moving. It's just whether he can, you know, get it forward enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I'd be tempted to stick with Rinomoto and Kelly against Forrest. Um, I guess you're lacking a little bit of Bakuna's physicality maybe. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I definitely bring Blackett back in. I think. Yeah, I I definitely would. But talking about Bakuna, the way he got sent off was yeah. particularly bad. It, there was a big difference between the Blackett one, which was a lack of first touch essentially, and he's been a little bit rash there. But the Bakuna one was not good. That's thinking about yourself instead of the team. That's sending yeah. off for me. I mean, would you bring Bakuna back in, Sam? Um, I think we need him in the squad. I think he's a good squad player because he can play at right back, presumably at left back if we needed him to, and in centre midfield. So I think for that reason, um, I'd have him on the bench at least because you can bring him in and drop him into a bunch of different positions. But um, but yeah, for the disciplinary reasons, I wouldn't want him in there. Because as you said, we needed him on the field. Um, we needed him available and he made a silly error of judgment and it's not cost us, but it's not helped. No, I mean, yeah, I I don't think I'd bring him back in. If I mean, Forest are actually in a relative bad run of form. I know they beat Leeds. So was Swansea. So was Swansea. Sorry. I yeah, I know. In there. I know. Sam, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stating the fact. I know we are the team that kills those runs. <laughs> I know that we are. But one win in six. So the tenth best away team in the league on the away form. Um, someone who's virtually guaranteed to score against us is Lewis Graven. I mean, or Graven. I'm never quite sure how you pronounce his name. Oh, it's it's like the, Della. Della. Yeah, there's the, kind of like, there's the Tim Della version. Yeah. And there's, well, there's, no, that wasn't the Tim Della. Let's not sling him off him. That's actually how Lewis Graven wanted his name pronounced. Like so Fox. that is fair enough. I think he, I remember hearing an interview with him where he said, he was like, you can call him whatever you want. And Tim Della was like, I'm going to call him Graban. That's how you say it. And then insisted on going down that route. Well, I remember him saying Adam LaFondre. And everyone was like, that's not how you say it. But then again, I think they asked him. And I think he said that he was pronouncing it correctly. And everybody else wasn't. But uh, 
Yeah, I think Brabham's been missed the last few games with an, the last couple of games with an Achilles, I think. But it yeah. sounds like he's probably going to be back. But they've oh, got he'll be back for us, George. You know that <laughs> he'll be back for us as well, haven't they? So you know, he's he's not a bad Championship striker either. But I was just wondering, in terms of our team again, I was, I think it highlighted yesterday. I think Harriet, as long as he's fit and he should be starting at the moment to to see if he can sort of provide a better option over the next few weeks. Uh, then you've got either Swift or Aluko in that in that sort of ten role. Um, but I think the left is becoming a bit of a a bit of a tricky issue. I think McCleary was disappointing yesterday. Um, I think he worked hard. He ran himself very hard. But I think you know there was a, there was a five on four. I seem to remember at that yeah. point, and they they didn't even get McCleary didn't even get it past the first man on the break. Yeah, they went backwards immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, then you're looking at Barrow. I mean. Is, is Barrow a better option than McCleary? I think he's had an incredibly disappointing season. You know, rumblings about you know the you know the fallout with Clement, etc. His attitudes doesn't always seem great, but I guess with Barrow he does have that electric pace that could turn and you know could turn again at any second. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think. The thing is with Barrow though, he does absolutely zero defensively. Yeah, yeah. And that, and as much as we were saying yeah, about, he does. Omar he gave Richards, away a goal the other week. Yeah, yeah, no, but we're saying about Omar Richards and he gets no cover from Barrow when he plays on that left-hand side and he's consistently on, you know, two players against one. That's going to be tough for any experienced player, let alone someone who's just coming into the team. Yeah. You presume to be might say for Loder as well, I would have. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I don't think Loder has started on uh, Saturday. Um, I would imagine, yeah, I would think any of them, Bulldog, Bodvarsen, if he's fit, will come into that starting lineup, won't they? Um, Can I just jump in and highlight something that I think we've missed in the first section and the second section, potentially? I know we've mentioned him a few times, but okay. Rinomota doing what he's done over the last five or six games is like a new signing. Getting yeah. him close to this close to January, um, he's probably the best performer in the team at the moment. And I don't think actually we mentioned his name much when we were talking about the Man United game. But again, the fact that he played in two positions and shone, absolutely shone, and was probably the best player. I mean, I think he got man the match, but he was definitely our best player, I think, across the board. Um, I think it's almost like having a player come in um, at this point. It's... I don't think I remember a player making this level of impact since Tish Bowler and Sigurdsson. Um, this is you. what worries me, the Tish Bowler comparison, <laughs> yeah. slightly. I mean, I, the reason why I didn't bring up uh, Andy Rinomoto is because I think this is slightly turning into a Rinomoto uh, loving podcast. <laughs> and uh, I'm aware that when he, he, I kept on wanting him to play in the team, and I think he's been fantastic, and he think he should play every single week, even if he has a dip in form at the moment. Because clearly, he's leading the team, and he's only made 15 appearances but like you say, yesterday he plays at right back and he deals okay with Rashford. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. Isn't it? You've got to say that's quite impressive. Not many players can do that. Um, as much as it sucks to say it, though, this is what an academy is for, right? You either bring yeah. through players that are going to improve your first team or you make a lot of money out of them. And so the academy, one, one way or the other, pays for itself. Um, Minamoto looks like he's going to be... Uh, a real talent um, as, as time goes on. And he's also going to fit the system that we're currently trying to play. Um, and, and for me, like if you were looking for a player on the transfer market that was trying to do this and you picked up Rinomota now, as a Reading fan, I'd be so excited to see what he could do. 
and we've got that player already integrated into the side and it's just it's perfect going into January um, that we can now almost build around a player like that rather than have to integrate that player among those on. It sounds strange, but I almost I almost rue the timing that Rinomoto came into the team in certain ways because he is by far <laughs> at the moment the top performer in a very bad team. And if we go down, there is, I would say, virtually zero. If anybody's watching him, which they should be, I would say there's zero chance of us being able to keep him. And it would have been so nice if we do go down, to have had him as the centrepiece of a team to try and challenge to do well. Whereas, as it is, I have a horrible feeling that he's just going to be an exceptional player in a, in a bad team that's unfortunately probably going to get relegated and then we're going to lose him at the end of the season. But At yeah. the same time, though, playing like Dev with Advocate there, if you're going to have any chance of staying up, you need players like yeah. that in the team. So, it goes both ways. But he he's just... I know you don't want to keep banging on about him. I get that. Like, that's all, all Reading fans are talking about. No, no, no. I didn't mean that as a negative but, thing. He's just so good. I just take it as standard now. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Of, but it's, like, it's like saying, hey, Messi had a good game, didn't he? You know, it's... Um, <laughs> but but Rinomota is is, um, is is really that good, I think. And, and I think he will be playing in the Premier League um, in the next two or three years, uh, regardless of, of how well Reading do. Um, but... You've got to enjoy those players. You've got to enjoy the players that put in those performances. And uh, the same way we did Sigurdsson, the same way we did Long, the same way we did um, Tishbola that first season. Um, it's disappointing to see them go. But I think one thing I would say, the way that we handled the more situation, um, whereby we, we asked for a hell of a lot of money or, you know, that player staying and signing a new contract, we can be fairly certain these owners aren't going to let him go for five or six million. You know, they'll be saying... And this is a player that's going to be worth whatever in a few years. I'm not actually sure of his nationality. Is he English? Because that would add that would add a few definitely. million on. Yeah, um, definitely. But but yeah, I mean, he's um, he's get, we'll get ten million for him if he goes, um, and that's that's a lot of money for Reading. Um, so one way is, though, gonna... if we get if we get relegated, you can take money off that straight away. You can unless he's on a long contract. No, um, still, if you get relegated, the player's in a negotiating position, aren't they? That is true. That is true. But then he's an academy player, isn't he, on an academy contract, presumably, at the moment? He's still got to pay his bills, though, hasn't he? <laughs> Quickly, well, I think, the uh, obviously, to a much, probably to a much lesser degree, but I think the, the new, like a new signing thing kind of applies to Harriet as well. Um, you know, he, was, he wasted some, some decent positions and opportunities yesterday, but I was, by and large, impressed. And I think he did worry the United defence on quite a few occasions. He was... Very impressive in that little cameo against against Swansea. I mean, uh, just about everyone who had understandably written him off after you know over two years um, on the sidelines. But I think he sort of certainly deserves some praise for uh, for how hard he's obviously worked to get back into that situation where he can come back and play. Uh, and I'm slightly mystified as to why Clement didn't see an opportunity with how underwhelming our wingers were performing maybe just to give him a go because it, it felt like he was in the under 23s for quite a while um during that time uh, and I think he's spoken about the fact that he was ready to play and and just never really got a chance but uh but hopefully he can stay fit uh, and I think we've seen in the last sort of game and and mm. a bit that he might be able to offer a little bit more than you know your Barrows and your and your McLeary's for uh, for the rest of the season yeah I've it's kind of uh, quite nice to come towards the end of the podcast. I'm actually all saying positive things. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm really <laughs> dreading doing the predictions for the uh, scoreline against uh, Nottingham Forest because I think that might go in a bad direction. But I'm going to put on my completely blind faith head on and uh, I'm going to go with my heart rather than my head on this one. So I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a win, a 2-1 win to Reading, which is really there's so many strange factors about that, because in the last five of our last six home matches, we've let in two goals. So that defies all that <laughs> logic straight away. But yeah, 2-1 win. What are you going to say, George? Uh, I don't think it's going to be a complete abomination like the uh, like the Swansea game. Um, I think Forest are a, are a really decent side, but you know we just we just have to start winning games. There's just no excuses anymore. We have to go out and try and win. Uh, I feel I'm you know I I don't I really don't want to take the positives and say oh if we can build on this because you know from the United game because it just never ever seems to happen. If it can then, you know, maybe we, we can go out and nick it. Um, but as it is, I'd be be surprised if we drew. I'll go for an optimistic uh, sort of one-all, I think. OK. Sam? So my prediction. I was going to go one-all as well. Um, I think we'll play well. I just think we're going to struggle to score goals until we sort something out, get someone in, whatever. Um, but another good performance in the draw is something to build on after the Swansea game. We just need to do what we did against Man United in the league and presume, and preferably not concede two goals as well. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go one on. Yeah, well, another big game that's happening this weekend is Rotherham versus Ipswich. Now, that is a massive one. I mean, I wouldn't normally want Ipswich to win, um, but actually they probably do want them to win in that match or at least get a draw. Because then anything that we pick up moves us nearer, doesn't it? And, you know, obviously if they win, but... We will see. All we can do is what we can. And if we do manage to get two consecutive decent performances, I do feel there's something there that we can build on. I'm trying to end on a positive here <laughs> rather than being uh, negative. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. If you have listened and you have enjoyed it, go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. That is what all the professional players would say would be the way forward. And uh, I appreciate uh, you listening. And uh, I'll be doing Periscope and stuff before the game against Nottingham Forest on the Friday. I'll do a post one as well. And let's hope it's upbeat. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Ooh.